Good morning, dear community. How is the sound? Is it loud enough? Not too loud? Okay. Please let me know if that changes. So we wanted to um, begin by just... um, sharing back with the larger community that we did have a session for those who felt um, unresolved uh, emotions from the last retreat. And um, I won't go into detail. It's not something uh, to be summarized, but just to say, Um, there were about maybe 25 of us or so and um, people who were uh, ready to share had the chance to share Um, there was a bell we breathed and felt our bodies those who felt in resonance with what was shared put a hand to the heart to just receive was offered, and then a teacher um, responded um, with some kind of uh, mirroring, receiving, uh, hearing what what was shared, and um, there were some uh, suggestions, uh, insights, and Uh, We are grateful for those and are going to continue to reflect on them and and we'll be back in touch (laughs) when we've had more time to figure out how to to integrate them. And we will also have a second session. It seemed like that would be helpful to continue because only some people had a chance to share and also because, unfortunately, um, it was scheduled at a time where there was also the BIPOC sit. We wanted to offer a time that didn't conflict with any affinity sit. So uh, we'll be sharing more with you about, about this second uh, circle for anyone who might want to join. <coughs> and uh, I know even if some people weren't there, we know that you were caring about what was happening there. And so we really appreciate that care and that holding. And so we wanted just to offer something back to the larger group about about how we did hold that space together. So this morning, we move into the second foundation of mindfulness, Vedana, feeling tone, and uh, I will offer us a practice, meditation to begin, and then um, some reflections on the topic. We'll do a writing activity and um, an interactive uh, inquiry, and then we'll, we'll have a break in there. And then I'll offer some more reflections, and then there'll be another 
interactive practice to kind of digest and process it together. And then there'll be some time at the end for questions, comments, reflections. So this uh, practice I'm going to offer us, this meditation is inspired by Analio's book, Satipatthana Meditation, a practice guide. So we can begin settling in. Feeling the body. Feeling the posture. Noticing the sensations of contact, of pressure. The weight of the body. Giving the body permission to release its weight, to really give its weight to the support of what's holding us. Taking some deeper breaths just to start. And with the exhale, allowing the body to release to whatever degree possible. And just feeling now the in-breath and the out-breath in a natural rhythm. Not adjusting the breath. Knowing in knowing out.
So we'll begin to bring awareness to the feeling tone, the Vedana of our bodily sensations. And so there are the pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral kinds of sensations. The pleasant may be a comfortable warmth somewhere in the body. Unpleasant could be an itch or an ache. And a neutral bodily sensation might be something that's not painful, that's not pleasant. Maybe just the skin touching the clothing. Maybe a neutral experience. So we'll first scan down from the head to the toes, picking up pleasant feeling tones. Now notice from the top of your head, down through the torso and arms, Where is there any pleasant sensation or Vedana? And then from the pelvis down the legs to the feet and the toes, Where do you notice any pleasant feeling tones? Even a sense of stillness in the body may be pleasant. A sense of having enough food, some fullness in the belly that feels like contentment.
with a feeling of being at ease in your posture. And now we'll move from the toes back up to the head, now scanning for unpleasant sensations. So beginning with the feet, moving up through the legs, to the pelvic area. What is uncomfortable, painful, unpleasant? Some place that is too cold or too warm. Some experience of tightness or tension. An ache. And then scanning the upper body up through the torso and the arms, the hands, the neck, the head. Noticing if there's any unpleasant sensations. And if there isn't any, we don't need to create any. Just notice. Now the last time we'll scan back down from the head to the feet, noticing neutral Vedana, neutral feeling tones. Maybe that feeling of the air coming into the nostrils as you inhale. It may be neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Or when you swallow.
or the feeling of your clothes against your skin. And then scanning now from the pelvic area, down the legs to the feet. Where are there neutral sensations, feeling tones? Now we can simply be aware of any kind of feeling and also how feelings arise and pass away. Maybe you even noticed that as you were scanning multiple times that the ache in the back gives way to a neutral feeling in that area or a pleasant feeling changes into an unpleasant one. One feeling gives way to the next and the next. Connecting with this river of feeling. And so not only can we observe feelings that arise from the body, but also from the other sense doors, which includes the mind. So tuning in to sound, noticing if there are pleasant or unpleasant or neutral sounds at the door of the ear, the ear consciousness. So 
The same with sight or smell. What do you notice with regard to feeling tones? If our eyes are closed, we may find that a neutral feeling, or maybe it's pleasant, maybe it's unpleasant. And there's taste. If we haven't eaten or had something flavorful to drink uh, just before this, then the feeling of taste can be muted. But if we tune in, it may be a neutral feeling. These are easy to lose track of, the neutral feelings. But they are feeling, they are Vedana. And then there's the sense door of the mind, mind consciousness. Our thoughts. If a thought arises, it's so quiet in the hall. That could be a pleasant Vedana or neutral or unpleasant. If our thoughts turn to some grief we have experienced, we may find it unpleasant, but we could also find that when we let it in and allow it to really move through us, that it leaves us in an open, spacious state that is pleasant. We also want to tune into the push of feelings. So as we connect with a pleasant feeling, we might notice what happens when we when we feel something pleasant, do we seek for more? So, for example, if the body is feeling 
calm, relaxed. Maybe there's a kind of grasping that arises, not wanting that pleasant feeling to dissipate, to pass. Or if a fantasy arises in the mind, it's pleasant, and so we hold on to it. We keep engaging with it. And then with an unpleasant feeling, there is the tendency to aversion, to pushing away. So noticing if there is an itch, how we want to scratch it. But if the mind is stirred up and there's a lot of chattiness and noisiness, we may feel unpleasant, an aversion to that, wishing our thoughts would stop or go away. So we just want to bring mindfulness to this phenomena. We're not judging our aversion, feeling aversion to our aversion. Simply noticing how unpleasant often leads to pushing away. And also noticing the push of a neutral feeling tone. We often don't find these interesting. They're boring if we're not mindful of them. And so we may try to find something pleasant or unpleasant to replace it with. Or we just tune out. Sometimes an unpleasant feeling like an ache in the shoulder can turn into a neutral feeling when that ache goes away. So we can notice that and Appreciate the neutral feeling. We can get curious about our neutral experiences. Rather than taking them for granted,
So we just want to notice again how we respond to the feeling tone and how neutral can often lead us to disconnect from our experience if we're not aware of it. So here, feelings are the anchor. And whenever we notice our minds drifting off, we can come back and notice what feeling is present. Also noticing if there's some reactivity that arises in response to the feeling grasping, pushing away, disconnecting, ignoring.
Having a pleasant feeling looking at the candles in the middle of the room. Thank you to whoever put those there. So here we are in the second foundation of mindfulness. This is the shortest part of the sutta. Um, I was surprised to find out how much I wanted to share about it and how interesting the more I looked at it. Um, the more I saw there was to learn. <clears throat> so this word, Vedana, uh, which is in both Pali and Sanskrit, it is translated as feeling tone, sensation, valence or hedonic tone in psychology. And it's different from emotions. In English, we often conflate feelings and emotions, right? Like, I feel upset. It's more of an emotion. Um, But in this context of the Satipatthana Sutta and in all the teachings of the Buddha, it has a very specific meaning that emotions are uh, part of the mental formations, the mind, um, the third foundation of mindfulness. And so there are these three kinds of feeling, feeling tone, um, pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, which is neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And I love that word in Pali, adukha masuka. Not not unpleasant, not pleasant. In the Mahayana tradition, they add a fourth category of feeling, which is mixed, which is like an example of getting a deep tissue massage, which is painful but also releasing tension at the same time. But there's some controversy about this because... I've also heard it argued that you can't actually feel two feelings in the same moment. It's just a quick ping-ponging between pleasant and unpleasant. So there's debate about that. So feelings arise when our sense organs touch objects of the senses. So when contact happens... And it appears in many of the lists, in many of the teachings. It's a very important area of study and investigation. So it is one of the seven universal mental factors, one of these things that's always happening in the mind or in the the system. There's always feeling happening. It's like there's always contact. There's always attention. So it's one of the universal 
mental factors. It's also one of the 12 links of dependent origination, both in Theravada and Mahayana traditions. It's one of the five skandhas in both Theravada and Mahayana. It's also this very important second foundation of mindfulness in the four foundations of mindfulness. So Abhikkhu Bodhi states that feeling is the mental factor which feels the object. It is the effective mode in which the object is experienced. So he talks about it as this bare effective quality of an experience. also described as like getting the taste or flavor of an object. And so feelings as one of these universal mental uh, formations that's always arising, it's this constant stream of one feeling the next, the next, and and maybe very many, even in one moment, can be attended to. We would be in trouble if one feeling would just stay for, without changing, right? We had a backache and it just stayed and stayed and stayed. Um, So there's, there's no permanence, there's no solidity to our feeling tones. So, in the second foundation of mindfulness, we want to know what kind of feeling tone is arising. So just like with the body, The first foundation. The body is always there. There's always something to know in the body. In the same way, the feelings are always there. There's always something to know about our feelings. So it really can anchor our awareness if we tune into that aspect of our experience. And when we do that, when we begin to feel, okay, there's a pleasant feeling here, or there's a neutral feeling here, the next question we can ask is, well, is it coming from my body? Is it coming from my mind? Like we did in the meditation, we can find out, is this a physical, physically based, physiologically based, pleasant feeling, neutral feeling, or is this Unpleasant feeling coming from a memory that I thought up, from something someone told me. And then a third area which the sutta asks us to examine is whether it is worldly or unworldly. 
So we can also translate that as material in origin or spiritual. And so I'll talk about that a little later in the session. So let's look at the feelings that are based in the body and in the mind. Oh, maybe we could just hear from a couple people. What kind of physical Vedana are you aware of in this moment? Uh, No, just a popcorn. Just what are you aware of? Just briefly. Anyone having a pleasant feeling somewhere in the body? You can raise your hand. Okay. Not having unruly pleasant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bonnie's moved into the deep end already having unworldly pleasant feelings. <laughs> Let's stay worldly for a moment here. <laughs> Who's having a worldly pleasant feeling right now? Just anything pleasant in your body. Okay. Great. Who's aware of an unpleasant feeling in the body? Great. Who's aware of a neutral feeling in the body? Okay, great. So I just wanted to uh, share with you this story that I read. It's from uh, The Practice of Embodying Emotions by Raja Selvam. I just found it fascinating how... um, how much our body is connected to our feelings. We know, you know, these foundations are presented separately, but they're not actually separate from each other. They very much are interconnected. So there was a study in the Netherlands. They, uh, this, some scientists wanted to find out if, when people would go shopping, if they would take a hand basket or a shopping cart, which would lead them to buy things that they didn't plan to buy. Right? Which which version would be, which choice would lead to more sort of impulsive buying? What do you all think? Shopping cart. Okay, you're wrong. <laughs> so um, so what they found out was. Um, I mean, a very logical answer, you know, very good, good reasoning. But it's interesting. What they found out was the opposite. Those who use the hand baskets are more likely to buy unplanned items. And they found that, you know, when you choose to buy something, it's an act of cognition, right? Embodied cognition. And they uh they saw that different muscle groups are engaged in the use of the basket versus the cart, which affects shoppers' cognition in different ways. So when we use the hand basket, the biceps muscle group, which the psychological function of bringing things we like towards ourselves, is more active. Right? The heavier the basket gets, the more engaged the biceps become in order to... <laughs> in order to keep it from dragging our arm and the rest of our body down to the ground. When we use the shopping cart, 
we get the triceps muscle group to push the basket ahead of us, the more the cart is loaded, the more engaged this muscle group is with its psychological, psychological function of pushing things we do not like away from us. So interesting, right? So, you know, think about that. Like, right? How we even use our muscles, the pulling towards, the pushing away, has such an influence on us, on how we shop. So take the shopping cart, not the handbasket. That's the moral of the story. So why is it important to be aware of our Vedana? our feelings. It's because if we aren't, we, we fall into these, un, these unexamined uh, reactivity of, of grasping, of pushing away, of tuning out. So, not only that, but we start to conflate the feeling with the reactivity that it brings about. So we think something unpleasant is aversion, like, right? So the unpleasant sound is a terrible sound. We, we com- those two steps in our consciousness get um, stuck together. So unpleasant doesn't have to mean aversion. There's a lot of freedom in that, right? Pleasant doesn't have to mean grasping. And this is it's really important to, to be able to examine feeling separately from what often comes right after it. In fact, it's essential to, to waking up. And this is from the Chachak Sutta, the six sets of six, Majjhima Nikaya 148, the Buddha says, um, practitioners, that one shall here and now make an end of suffering without abandoning the underlying tendency to lust for pleasant feeling, without abolishing the underlying tendency to aversion toward painful feeling, without extirpating What does extirpating mean? (laughs) Removing, thank you. Without extirpating the underlying tendency to ignorance in regard to neither painful nor pleasant feeling, without abandoning ignorance and arousing true knowledge, this is impossible. So enlightenment is impossible if we don't learn how to be skillful with the ways we get caught by our feelings. But the good news is, with mindfulness, as we bring real attention to our uh, feeling tone, we, we can actually wake up. We can, we can experience enlightenment through mindfulness of the feelings. Because each, we know from the preamble, each of the foundations leads to direct knowledge of uh, 
clear seeing of reality as it is and the freedom that that brings. So I wondered if we could just briefly do a little demonstration up here, if maybe uh, if three people would be willing to just um, play the role of the event of contact of some kind of, we can, we can get your ideas, whether it's a pleasant thing or an unpleasant contact. And then the second person would play the feeling tone in response to that original contact. And the third person would play the reactivity. And we don't need to use words, but just like any, any three people up for <laughs> coming up to, to just try that so we can try to visualize it. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Three of you, you want to come up? And uh, maybe, would you be the, the, the place of contact when, when a sense uh, object meets a sense consciousness? Okay, come, come. You could be over there too. You don't have to be in the front, wherever you want to be. And then... Uh, Corey, will you mind to be the feeling tone in response to the feeling contact, to the, to the contact? And Mandy, would you be the reactivity, whatever that feeling tone does? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> okay. So yeah, maybe you could face that way. And then who would give us a scenario? Like what would be the, what would be the contact? What's the happening that's bringing about the, the feeling? Chocolate. Okay, so 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 Jason is gonna be the moment of uh, <laughs> of, uh, of maybe seeing. Oh no! Actually, actually, I think it'd be better this way. If you are, um, if you're the the feeling, you're the feeling that's experiencing chocolate. However, you want to do that. You're the reactivity. You're, so you're the. What would it be? What would what would come up if you if you saw chocolate? Pleasant, right? So so Jason's Jason's the Vedana. Jason's the pleasant Vedana with the chocolate. You are the. Um, what happens when we feel pleasant? Craving. Okay, so Corey's the craving. Mandy is going to be. Um, Mindfulness. <laughs> okay. So, 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 but Mandy's job is to bring awareness to the, the difference between the feeling pleasant and the grasping. Yeah. Well, you could take turns. You could go one, two, three, or, you know... Let's just see what happens. So, yeah. <laughs> 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 
Okay, thank you. That was great. Thank you so much. I think that's great. Yeah, perfect. So, so what happened? What happened there? So, right, so the, the pleasant got all cozy up with the feeling, right? Want more, this is me, right? And what did mindfulness do? Yeah, mindfulness just noticed that, right? Saw that happening. Yeah, great. So just to play with, like, <clears throat> there, there are lots of things that could happen, when, when our sense organs touch a sense object and a feeling arises, there's a lot of things that could happen after that. <laughs> we might, yes, go right into the grasping, craving. That's okay. We can notice that, you know? And we might be able to pause before that and say, oh, wait a minute, you know? I could, I could, right? I could not lean into that and try to get more. <clears throat> so, um, so there's, um, you know, also this attention to the way when we bring mindfulness to a pleasant experience, right, especially... If it's wholesome, you mentioned beautifully eating the raisin, that, that that made the raisin more of a raisin. You really tasted the raisin. You talked about things becoming brighter, right? So mindfulness can make pleasant experience um, more available in a wholesome way, right? That doesn't lead us to eat the whole pack of raisins without moderation, Right when we have that deep attentiveness to, oh, this is so pleasant, but it doesn't lead to craving. Right, whereas I mean, and that leads to a kind of contentment. Sometimes we might be so with that one raisin that that's all we need. I mean, it's like a, it's a real meditation. We don't need anything else. Contrast to you know, eating a pack of chips while we're watching a show, right? We're not mindful. It's pleasant, but we're not bringing mindfulness to it. And it's, we're reaching for those chips sometimes for a different reason, because we actually want to escape something, maybe. Not always. Chips are great, but, you know, (laughs) they are sometimes like escape in a bag, right? Um, (laughs) So it's something we use as a distraction and it it does lead to consuming without moderation and then suddenly the end of the bag, you know, and we haven't tasted any chip and we're not any better off, we're not any more content, right? So it's interesting to, you know, really pay attention to pleasant Vedana and also like What's really pleasant, right? 
Like if we really pay attention to a pleasant sensation, sometimes we may find it's actually not pleasant. We may get some pleasure from telling someone off when we get angry. There is this moment, it is actually pleasurable to yell or to, you know, um, vent our emotion. And then if we go deeper, we may actually see that what feels like pleasure is, is, is tension, is fear, is, you know, uh, regret later on, confusion about what we did. I remember when I was a nun, um, we, were, we had summer retreats where a thousand people would come. We'd have a teens program. I often did the teens program. And uh, this was in France. One of the fathers who had been a longtime smoker for decades had given up smoking. And a lot of the teens in Europe smoked. It was very common. So he decided he wanted to lead a smoking meditation for the teens off of the monastery grounds. (laughs) But we were part of the... So it was kind of controversial, but we said, okay, we're going to do this with you. And so so all the teens, we sat in a circle. They brought out their pack of cigarettes. And we just observed. We slowed the whole thing down. What was it like to just hold the pack of cigarettes? And then to take out a cigarette and just hold the cigarette in the hand, not do anything with it yet, notice feelings. And then slowly to light and then take the first puff. And when we debriefed after they had smoked a cigarette, it was amazing. Almost across the board, every one of them named, the first sensation when they inhaled was unpleasant. It was a bitter taste, it burned, it was uncomfortable, and then it became pleasant because they were addicted. But they could all sense there was unpleasant first. And the other thing that was really interesting that we all shared about, he asked them, when did you first start smoking? And almost all of them could trace it back to some moment of suffering where they felt rejected or where they felt lonely or where they were, you know, upset about something, and that's when they started. So it's just, you know, what is pleasure, right? Where is the intention coming from when we reach for pleasure? On, on the other hand, in a different retreat for teens, John shared about the five recollections last night, contemplating we're going to die one day. I didn't know how these teenagers would take that teaching, given their age, you know. I was surprised when I led them in a similar meditation that John offered us last night. They said it enlivened them. They said reflecting on, you know, impermanence and their own impermanence, they felt more in touch with their their life and their appreciation for life. It wasn't depressing. It wasn't um, disturbing for them. I mean, it was a little bit, oh, you know, it was that type of, oh, yeah, like 
But then they leaned into it and they could appreciate. So, so we, we, we really want to investigate, right? This automatic associating unpleasant with need to avoid and pleasant with need to get more of, right? And the Buddha said that when we don't examine the unpleasant, it often leads us to um, use pleasant experiences to cope with, to get away from, to deal with the unpleasant. I mean, it's addiction, right? That's addiction. That's a definition of addiction. I, I can't feel this pain. I'm going to distract or, or, you know, try to, to experience something pleasant. <clears throat> if we can just be with that unpleasant feeling, we see it gives us so much more room, so much more um, choice. So, just an experience from uh, being on retreat, uh, this was at IMS. Can anyone relate to the pizza day? <laughs> The day they serve pizza, oh, it was like once a month on this, these long three-month retreats. Well, there I was stacking up three pieces of pizza, <laughs> whatever, however many it was. It was maybe more than that, but <clears throat> boy, did I feel terrible after I ate all that. I mean, just such a painful feeling. And this was not so uncommon on retreat that I would overeat. And I would go into this, you know, oh my God, you did this again, and this is terrible, and, you know, all the, you know, this feels horrible. And But I was in a, a sitting hall this one particular day, and I was like, you know, just going to be with the unpleasant. I'm just really going to feel the unpleasant. Rather than going into the aversion. And I was, it became a very interesting meditation to get interested in the experience of overeating. Like, what does that indigestion really feel like when I break it down? And I felt I could feel the top of my stomach for the first time. You know how when you eat, you can feel the bottom of your stomach where the food lands? Well, I was so full. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, I can feel the top of my stomach. And then it became this really interesting exploration rather than aversion. It actually became like, wow, this is what overeating feels like. This is what the unpleasantness feels like. And then it actually became weirdly pleasant to just be with the unpleasant. Um, and so, you know... Joseph Goldstein talks in his book, Mindfulness, about how anytime we are with any kind of unpleasant vedana, like sickness, you know, if we can stay with that, it's, it's basically preparation for death. So anytime we can turn towards unpleasant, we're training ourselves to be able to die well, 
to die with, with an awakened mind-heart. So... I'll just name one other way we can be with unpleasant when it comes up in the mind. Um, and then we'll take a break. So I have a dear friend and teacher also, Larry Ward. He's a Dharma teacher in the Plum Village tradition. Um, he tells this story. He's a black man and also a Christian minister. He was in the airport, and he sat down. He was at a restaurant, a bar, or you know, some place with chairs, and and a white man comes up to him and says, "You took my seat, man. Black people are taking over everything in this country." And Larry Ward said, "Are you okay?" <laughs> Sincerely wondering, <laughs> are you okay? And the man said, no, I just divorced. I lost my job. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where I'm going to live. And they sat down and talked. They had a conversation between two people. So... I'm sure unpleasant Vedana came up in Larry Ward's mind to receive such a a racist, discriminatory comment. But somehow he worked with that Vedana and leaned in rather than leaned away. Right? Like, I know you can do better than that. What's going on? Right? And he said, and the white man said, this is what's going on. So, so there's so much power in being able to not react to our, to our different Vedana. Like doors can open that wouldn't open otherwise between people, in situations, in groups. So let's just take a couple breaths together. Notice what Vedana is here in the body, in the mind. Thank you. So we'll um, take a 10-minute break in silence. Just as we did yesterday in the break, noticing our bodily actions and postures and movements, we can just notice what Vedana is arising as to whatever extent we are capable of, of noticing that as we're moving around. And then when we hear the bell, we'll come back here. We'll be back here at 10, 10.08.
just a little more, and then we're going to do some writing. So if you need to get something to write with, uh, feel free to go grab something. There's paper out there, and there's pens. I wanted to just uh, share briefly some ways we can bring mindfulness to our feelings in daily life. Um, so my teacher, Thich Nhat Hanh, would encourage us in the practice center to um, ask each other at random moments, do you have a feeling? <laughs> And we were supposed to share in that moment, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. We were, it was like we were mindfulness bells for each other, right? So it could be, uh, you know, something we could try with each other. Like, do you have a feeling? Or you could put it up, you know, just the word feeling on your, on your wall, just to remind yourself, to remember, what, what kind of feeling am I having in this moment? And just to also name, like, it's okay if we don't know. (laughs) Sometimes we might not be able to identify right away. You know, we might be feeling really mixed up. And so that's okay too. You know, that's that beautiful refrain in the sutta. You either, you know, feelings internally, externally, or both, or just that feeling is here. If we, if we can't distinguish what kind of feeling, whether it's in the body or from the mind, or we just want to know feeling is here. Right? So we don't need to analyze, judge, even figure out where it's coming from. Just notice feeling. And so just a way to practice this is to... You know, when we're moving around in our daily lives, is to especially notice, like those strong physical, uh, strong pleasant or unpleasant feelings. Right. So, like, in if you're taking a shower in the morning, if the water's cold at first, like this, oh, like bite of cold water, it's unpleasant, and then as it water warms up, oh, there's this pleasant feeling of warm water. So, just noticing. Um, where, where they arise. Also, another place to bring awareness of feelings is to our meals. That's usually an easy, easy place to, to notice a pleasant feeling, maybe how something looks or how something smells or like that unpleasant feeling I describe when we eat too much or if something disagrees with us or <clears throat> maybe it's 
quite spicy or something like that. So um, the writing exercise I wanted to invite us to do now for about 10 minutes is to um, kind of notice, to, to write about, like to track a typical day and to notice what are feelings that might be there when you wake up, for instance. And then also, if you notice, as you reflect on that, is there some kind of push in response, right? So this underlying tendency, this reactivity. So if there's, for me, you know, waking up and there's, it's this pleasant feeling, I'm resting, it's warm, I don't want to get up, right? I want to stay in that lovely place, right? So that's my, maybe a first early morning, you know, pleasant and then grasping, you know, and then say your feet touch a cold floor, oof, unpleasant, it's cold, aversion, let me put on my slippers, oh, and then you walk to the bathroom and that's neutral, there's maybe no pain, no pleasure in walking and so you space out, you start thinking about what are you going to do today, so that could be the the underlying tendency of a neutral feeling, just to go into some other experience. Um, so, so the idea is just to kind of track through your day, like something you would do as you're getting ready, and then mid-morning, what kind of feeling might arise based on something that's happening, and what would be the, the typical response to that feeling. And then lunchtime, or afternoon time, you know, going towards bedtime, what are some of the feelings that might arise? Maybe they're in the body, maybe they're in the mind. And, and what is the, you know, the reactivity, the underlying tendency? Um, so um, we'll do that for 10 minutes, and then um, we'll share about it um, in pairs. So, um, so you can, uh, yes, uh, you could choose. That's an interesting question. A day a question was a day here or a day at home. So I had it in my mind at home, but it's, it's to me just as helpful to think about how you experience feeling on retreat too. So you might have more awareness of feeling on retreat. So. Yeah, so it's up to you. So um, in about 10 minutes, I'll invite the bell, and then we can just finish up and find a partner.